You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. Good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to be in chapter 3 and 4 today. We're in a series called We Can't Stay Here, looking at the life of Joshua and the people of God, uh, taking the promised land that God had promised to them. And today we're in week three. If you've missed any of the messages, you can go online and catch up and watch them. I hope that you do. Uh, How many of you have ever gone through like a moment of transition in your life? There's been some kind of change. Maybe you started a new relationship or perhaps you ended a a relationship and so you're in a, a moment of transition. Maybe you started a new job or you decided to, to lose weight. You're making a new commitment. And so any, anytime you're doing things like this, you're, you're in a moment, a season of transition. And uh, in that moment, in that season, it can be really scary, but it can also be really exciting at the same time. There can be anxiety there, and yet there can be some joy there. You know, think about You know, when your wife is pregnant or, you know, you're about to have a baby, there's so much, you know, uh, just, just joy and excitement to that. But at the same time, it's really scary. You know, when you get a new job, it's like, man, really, really exciting, but at the same time, you're really, really nervous. And, and so uh, when we go through a moment of transition, uh, emotions just run really, really high. All kinds of emotions are, are happening. I remember when we first moved to Maryville and we planted the church eight years ago, I was starting a new job uh, and we were moving. And so out of the top five most stressful things in, you know, in your life that could happen, I was going through two of them at the same time. And you've probably experienced that as well. And so you're moving into a new town, you're, you're starting a new job, so much excitement, but at the same time, it's stressful and, and, and there's some anxiety there. And, and so when you're in a moment of transition, this is what I want you to get. Like, like there are a lot of different emotions that you'll go through. And so you're also making some really, really important decisions during that time. And so it's, it's a vital that as you're in this season of transition, you're making all of these decisions, that you're not making these decisions based on all of these emotions that you're feeling, right? And so if you're, if you're making decisions based on those emotions, you can get yourself into trouble really, really quickly. For instance, if you're so excited about this season, you can begin to overestimate your success and, and, and you can overcommit or make a poor investment. Perhaps there's anxiety and that anxiety can stall a decision. In other words, you know you should be making a decision, but that anxiety causes you to stall and to not make it. Sadness can cause you to settle for less than God's best. Anger can cause you to make all kinds of sporadic decisions, right? So when your emotions are running high, your logic is running low. And so you've got to back up. You've got to be cautious. You've got to be wise. And you want to think through all of these decisions as you're faced with all of these emotions. So if you're in a moment of transition today, it's important to maintain the right mindset. It's all about mindset so that you experience this flood of emotions and at the same time, you can make godly, wise decisions. Um, The reality is as you follow and trust God, there are gonna be all kinds of seasons of blessing, but then there are also going to be seasons of battles. And so you're gonna be blessed, you're gonna be facing battles. 
I believe that God has great things in store for you today and this year, but there will be many battles that you're gonna have to face, you're gonna have to deal with, and you're gonna have to deal with the, those, those seasons or those moments of transitions faithfully. For the Israelite people, they're in a season, they're in a moment of transition. In chapter three, they have, they have been led up to the brink of the promised land. So they're, they're at the water's edge. The Jordan River is the barrier between them and the land that God promised to them. Last week, Joshua said, we're going in three days and three days have passed and here they are getting ready to cross over and they're about to take their dream and make it a reality. So you better believe this was a day that was filled with a lot of excitement, it was filled with a lot of energy, but it was also filled with a lot of stress because yeah, this was the land of blessing, but it was also gonna cause them and lead them into a lot of battles. So man, when you follow and trust God, sure there's blessings, but it's not easy. And there's a lot of fear and anxiety there. So how do, we, how do we move through a season of transition, a moment of transition in our life and still face that faithfully? Well, I wanna, wanna deal with that today. And as a church, I mean, we are in a moment of transition, no doubt about it. Our ministry is growing, and to accommodate both our current growth and to facilitate future growth, we're going to build this auditorium that's right next to this building that will seat 1,200 people. And when we move as adults to worship there on Sundays, our children's ministry gets to come into this room, and they get to manage this space that will meet their needs. You guys know our vision here is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And we believe that this new space is gonna create all kinds of new opportunities for us to in fact actually accomplish that vision in new and exciting ways. And I'm, I'm asking every single person here, whether you've been here for eight years or one year or you just started coming here to get on board with this vision we're gonna be asking you to make a one-year commitment um, on December 17th. We're gonna be collecting our vision offering on that day, so it's a one-time generous gift. And then we're also gonna be asking you to give over and above what you normally give for an entire year. So it's both a one-time gift and an ongoing gift for one year. Last week, our staff ate together, did some Thanksgiving uh, food together, uh, just kind of hung out, started to reminisce on what God is doing and what God's doing in our ministries. And, and uh, then we just spent some time you know, in, in worship and spent some time in prayer together individually, but then all the various needs of our church. And, and then we walked next door and uh, kind of walked through the building and took a tour and kind of showed everybody how it was going to flow and what, what each space was dedicated for and how we were going to use it. And and so after we took the tour, we then just started, you know, just kind of walk around and pray on our own and then gathered back together in the center, holding hands and just ask God's blessing and his presence to be with us and, and to fill this place and provide. And, and so, man, it was just a really awesome, memorable day for us. And um, I want to invite you to, to kind of recreate that Next Sunday is December 3rd, and we're going to have a night at 6.30 where we're going to gather and do that very same thing. And so we're going to be in the atrium of the building, so you're going to be able to see everything, and we'll, I'll walk you through it and kind of show you uh, what, what, what uh, space is going to be dedicated towards what. We're going to sing together. We will pray together. We'll write some scripture on the walls, just kind of dedicating this, this facility and this season to the Lord. And so I hope that you'll be there. 
I hope that, you know, as a family, you'll come. Let us know. Go online and register for that so that we can prepare for you and your kids. There'll be child care for five and under. Uh, I want five and older to be in there with us. Um, this is just going to be a memorable uh, night for us. And so I, I hope that you'll come. But as a result of this transition as a church, you can be sure that our staff, our leaders, our elders are going through a wave of emotions. I mean, there's anticipation, there's excitement, there's joy, and yet there's also some anxiety, some, oh my gosh, you know, is this really happening? And, and, and the nerves, and I'm not sleeping a whole lot right now. And, and uh, all of this is kind of culminating, you know, as we, as we get closer and closer to opening day. And so as we think about this, again, it goes back to our mindset. So whether you personally are going through a a moment of transition, I know as a church we are, it's all about having the right mindset. So let's look at Joshua chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1, and then I'm going to talk about four mindsets to success in a moment of transition today. Verse 1, then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, remember they had three uh, days, he said, get ready. And so it's the end of those three days. The officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Now let's just pause here. Let me speak to this for a moment. The first mindset that I think we have to have if we want to be successful in a moment of transition is that we have to have the mindset that God is first. God is first. God is first. God is first in the decisions that I make about what job to take. God is first in the decisions that I make as to what house to buy and where I'm going to live and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to lead my kids and what my kids are going to be involved in. God is first, God is first, God is first. See, for the Israelite people here, it says in verse three that the ark is, is, is gonna be before them and they are going to follow it. In verse four, it says the ark is gonna be before them, before them, it's gonna go across first. And so what, what's it talking about here? Well, the ark of the covenant was a box basically that had the 10 commandments in it that God had given to Moses And it represented the very presence of God. It was a very significant thing for the Israelite people. It says the Ark of the Covenant. So it represented the covenant that God had made to the people. And the covenant or the promise was that God was going to make Abraham's name great. Then God was going to save them uh, from slavery and then give them the promised land and make them a great nation. And so this was the covenant. This is the, 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 the ark is representing that promise and it's the very presence of God symbolically going before the people across the river before they even put their foot in the water, before they even you know, touch the promised land. The idea here is that God is going to be first among you. God is going to be first. Now, anytime you're going somewhere, 
Anytime you're going somewhere that you've never been, you better make sure you're following somebody who knows where they're going. <laughs> That's pretty simple, right? Young people, you, you got to get this. But, but for, for those of us that are older, we can remember a day when there was no Siri and there was no navigation apps and there was no GPS. I remember I thought I was so high tech when I got one of those GPS systems things and had the big cord, you know, that you were plugging in and, and uh, it was terrible, functioned terrible and never worked. And, but uh, there was a day when we didn't have any of that. How many of you guys remember a day when, when you went somewhere, by God, you needed to know where you were going. <laughs> and if you didn't, you had to follow somebody or you used what we called a map. And it was paper, and it folded out, and you really didn't know where you were, and it was really confusing. And, and uh, at the end of the day, though, if the map didn't work, the person you were following didn't work, you had to do what? What did you have to do? Stop and ask for directions. The most humiliating thing for a man to do in the history of his life. I, I remember, you know, fighting my wife tooth and nail before I would stop and ask for directions because I'm going to figure it out. Out. I'll never forget, I was, uh, this has happened several times, but one thing came to my mind this week. I was following my brother-in-law, and uh, we were going to somebody's house for dinner, and uh, we get in the car. Hey, man, do you know where you're going? Very clearly, this is important for the story, get this. He said, yeah, I know where I'm going. So I get in the car thinking he knows where he's going, and then, you know, we proceed to go through the back, you know, alleys and, and, and side roads of, of Blount County, you know. And the next thing I know, like, we, we've made a turn here and there, and I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. Have you ever followed somebody, you know, and, and like they're braking and they're slowing down, you know, and then they turn their turn signal on? And then they turn it off, and you're like, this dude does not know where he's going. So I honk the horn, I pull up. I'm like, do you know where you're going? He's like, bro, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> we had to stop and ask for directions. You don't want to follow the wrong guy because if he doesn't know where he's going, you're going to end up in the wrong place. You don't want to follow your emotions. You don't want to follow somebody at work. You don't want to follow a friend, teenagers, who's heading down the wrong path. You want to follow God. So you have to put him First, the ark is a representation that God is primary. He is first in their life. Now, I think when we made uh, or make new commitments to God, we kind of experience this. Uh, we've never been this way before. We, we, we are walking into a season where, you know, we've never experienced this. We've never, you know, gone that direction before. And so we feel kind of lost. And when you feel kind of lost, you start reaching and stretching for direction. And sometimes if you're not careful, you'll reach and stretch for the wrong leadership in your life. What I love about verse four is he says, God's gonna go first. The presence of God is gonna go first. And I don't even want you to get near it. He says 2,000 cubits, which is about 1,000 yards, so that everyone, you're talking about millions of people here, could actually see it in front of them. They could spread out and, and 1,000 yards in front, you could see it going. They wanted to clearly show that, yes, God is going before them. In verse 4, look at it again. You might circle it in your Bible. It says, you haven't passed this way before. You haven't passed this way before. You've got to follow the presence of God here because you've never gone this way. God says, this is a new way, guys. Never been here before. You've never done that. Anytime you make a new commitment to God, it's a new direction. You've never gone this way before. It's very intimidating. It's very stressful to consider and to think, man, I've never done this before. I've never gone here. But listen, if you're following Jesus today faithfully, 
you will always be walking into uncharted territory. You should always be stretching yourself and walking into areas of life that you've never been before. Why? Because we can't stay where we're at. God is calling the Israelite people to, to cross over the Jordan, to go into uncharted territory. And for you, he's asking you to do the very same thing spiritually. You know, as a believer, it, it's, it's part of, of our DNA to grow and to, and to learn and to stretch ourselves. We've got to go places we've never been so that we can become someone we've never been. And so God's calling us as a church to, to, to take this step. We're, we're growing, God is blessing, and it requires every single one of us to take this step into unchartered territories. Now, why would we, would we want to take that step into unchartered territories? What would be the motivation? Look at verse five again, circle it, underline it, remember it. God says, you're, you're about to see something you've never seen before. He says, I'm about to do wonders among you. I'm about to do wonders among you. I'm about to show you something you've never seen. Because when you go places you've never been with God, he's gonna show you wonders you've never faced before. You've never seen before. You're gonna see miracles happen. Now listen, as a church, we're gonna see miracles taking place in our church. We're gonna see men who you never, in a million years, you never thought they would darken the walls or the doors of this church. And God is going to lead them here and they're gonna surrender their life to Jesus. People who are in bondage and, and, and broken today are going to flood the doorways of this church, and God is going to break all kinds of chains, and we're going to see lives transformed. But we got to go places we've never been to see things we've never seen. This is unchartered territory for us. Personally, we have to get there. Corporately, as a church, we have to go there. Why? Because I want to see wonders. I want to see God work. It happened last week. There's a girl named Natalia who's from Australia. And uh, just uh, growing up in Australia, um, she was raised by a, a Wiccan mom and dad, which meant that their religion was witchcraft. And she got older, she decided that this wasn't the religion for her, and she decided to move to the U.S. And it just so happened that she was pretty fast and she could run, and, and she ended up getting a, a track scholarship to Southern Miss. And uh, one of our own partners and, and families here, Micah Jennings, uh, has graduated and he's at Southern Miss. And so it just so happened that God let Micah and Natalia's cross a path to cross. And so fond of each other, they started dating, started talking, and she's not going back to Australia for Thanksgiving. So last Sunday, uh, he in, had invited her to go home with her to, to spend Thanksgiving. And so she, she went home to celebrate Thanksgiving with his family and uh, he's coming to church because he was always here before he left. And, and uh, he loves this place. His family does. And, and uh, he invited her to come with him. So here she is, Wiccan family. Just so happened she gets the scholarship. It just so happened she meets Micah. It just so happened she's here. It just so happens I'm preaching a message on Rahab. And it just so happened that the Spirit of God intersects with where she's at spiritually. And she realized that she was a sinner in need of a Savior. And at the end of the service, in tears, Micah started to talk to her and they went to the care and prayer room and she realized that she needed to make a decision to follow Christ. And so she did. She gave her life to Jesus Christ last Sunday. This was in the, in the second service. Yeah. 
she, she, she makes this decision, and we were baptizing last Sunday, so the water was there, the water was warm, right? And, uh, and um, she was like, well, can I get baptized today? And so our counselors walked through this, Stephanie Sanders walked her through it, and uh, we baptized her in the third service last Sunday. It was incredible. And it just so happened, just so happened that Stephanie, who was counseling with her, knows people in southern Mississippi. She knows of a church there that Natalia and Micah know about, and they're actually, you know, had, had even been to. And she knows pastors there, and so she's connecting the pastors and, and, and her to, to get discipled and connect as she continues to go to school. It just so happens that God is in control, right? I don't believe in, in, in chance. I don't believe in luck. I believe that uh, God is a sovereign God, and he orchestrated every step of the way for Natalia. And I believe he's orchestrating every step of your life and every, every problem you're experiencing and everything that you're facing today is all leading up to the call that he has upon your life. God wants to show this church wonders. We saw a wonder last week with Natalia and her story. We baptized several other people last week. God is changing people's lives. I'm about to do wonders among you, but you've got to put God first. And then secondly here, the second mindset is that dedication is not an option. Like you follow Christ, dedication is not an option. You don't just to, you don't, you don't get to follow Jesus some parts of your week and other parts of your week get to do whatever you want to do. You don't live one or two years, you know, uh, doing whatever and then, and, and, and then decide, yeah, for this day or, or a couple times a year, you're going to dedicate yourself to Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You're either dedicated or you're not. It's one or the other. And he says here in verse five to consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself just means to dedicate yourself, to, to make yourself holy before the Lord. And so when you're going through a moment of transition, it's so vital, it's so important that as you're moving through this to, to, to keep emotions out of the picture and make a wise, faithful decision through this process, You've got to be faithful in your prayer, confession, repentance. Prayer, confession, repentance before God. And that is a lifestyle of dedicating myself to the Lord, that I am on a prayer, confession, repentance, repeat. Prayer, confession, repentance, repeat. Prayer, confession, repentance, repeat. Why? Because I can't stay here. I got to continue to move forward. There's sin in my life. I'm never going to be perfect. I've got to continually pursue him. I've got to continually pray and confess and repent and turn from my selfish ways and to his path for my life. I was talking to a, a partner here in our church and uh, he had gone through a, a divorce and it was uh, a really trying, very difficult season of life for him. And uh, he was feeling lonely, he was feeling rejected, he was feeling anger. All of these emotions are flooding him and and he's trying to serve faithfully, but he's, but he's hanging on to bitterness and he's, he's hanging on to unforgiveness in his life. And, and just recently, he said that, that God led him to pray a prayer of dedication. And this prayer of dedication, God used to, to begin to, to change his trajectory, his, his season, th this transition that he is going in. He, he kind of moved from this path of bitterness and, and moved to a path of, of forgiveness and and he forgave the person, and, and uh, we talked, and he's like, man, I, I, that moment was really good, and, and then those feelings came back, and I thought I forgave, and I told him. I said, well, forgiveness doesn't just, it's not just a one-time event. Forgiveness is an everyday event, 
And the more and more you forgive, the more and more you let go of bitterness, the more and more you grow, and the more and more of God's opportunities are apparent to you. And so he's learning that, and he's, he's, he's growing in that. But I told him, dedication is not an option. When you look at the life of Jesus, he went through a moment of, of, of transition as well. And you, you may remember this moment. It was a pretty significant moment in his life. We really don't know a whole lot about the first 30 years of Jesus's life. And, and I'm very interested. It'd be really cool to find out. We just don't know from scripture. But we, we know about the last three years of his life. And what transitioned him from his first 30 years to the last three years was a significant event of, of dedication in his life. And that event was his baptism. And when he was baptized, he, he was really coming into a new season of ministry. It was his public ministry beginning. And so he's, he's going into the Jordan River, by the way, to get baptized as a symbol to you and I, and also as a, a milestone, a marker of a tremendous moment of transition in his life. And Jesus had to go through the waters. The Israelites had to go across the water. And some of you still need to, to go into the river as well and, and, and experience baptism for yourself. You need that moment of transition, that dedication, that public dedication. That's what baptism is. It's me publicly saying that I am a follower of Christ, symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as we go under the water, his death, and as we come out of the water, his glorious resurrection some of you need to make this decision today. You've got to dedicate yourself. You've never done that. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. If you aren't willing to lead a life of holiness, God won't be willing to do wonders in and among this church. The third mindset. Let's read verse eight before I actually reveal it. Verse eight says this. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. You shall stand still in the Jordan. But think about that and how, how relevant that is to our life today. We live in a fast-paced culture. And I talk about this all the time because it really is one of the biggest distractions and hurdles for people and their growth in Christ. Because we just go, 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 and go. And then we fill our, our kids' calendars with events and activities, and we go, 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 go. And we rarely, if ever, have a moment in the day, a consistent moment in our day, where we stand still before the Lord. I, I, would, I, would, I would bet that even in a week's time, very rarely do you stand still before the Lord. Now, I know you're still when you're watching TV and you're binging on Netflix, but that's not the stillness that we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about being still in the presence of God. Let's continue. Hop down uh, to verse 14 here. He says, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, God is first, God is first. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. So as soon as they are coming to the edge of the water and they are dipping their feet into the water, and then he pauses, and then it's kind of choppy here in the Hebrew, but there's a little, little verse here. We have it in parentheses. By the way, there are no punctuation marks in, in the original languages. That's, that's things that we add to help us kind of read it. It says in parentheses here in, my, in, in the ESV that now the Jordan overflows 
all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. What that means is they are facing the, the river Jordan, and, and you're talking about, you know, million people here that are going to cross over this river. And, and now what we're learning here is in the time of the harvest, which is when they are, are going, it, it overflows. So it's, it's a flooded river. So it's even faster, it's even stronger, it's even bigger. And he says this, as soon as the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. So at a city called Adam, there is some kind of diversion, there's some kind of dam, and the water is held back. And that happens as soon as the priests dip their feet into the water. Look at verse 17. Now the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground. And in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So the river is stopped. The, 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 the river bed dries out and now they are walking thousands upon thousands of people now crossing the river. The third mindset I want you to grasp today is that obstacles are opportunities. Obstacles are opportunities. You don't have any problems in your life. You have kingdom opportunities in your life today. For the Israelite people as they are facing this river, this is a huge obstacle. How in the world are we going to get thousands of people across this river and, and begin to take the land that God has promised us? This is huge. We're all excited. Let's go. Let's do this. Come on. Everybody ready? Wait, I forgot. There's no bridge. How, how are we going to go? We've never gone this way. How, how are we going to do this? And remember, th these, are, these are homeless people living in a desert. These are people that, that did not grow up going to the Y for swim lessons. They, they don't swim. They don't know how to swim. They, this is very new to them. They live in the desert, right? So the last time they were in the water, God was separating the waters of the Red Sea so they could again walk on dry land. So this was intimidating. Women, children, elderly, people that, you know, maybe, you know, had, had you know, a limp or they were injured. How are we going to do this safely? This was a huge obstacle. But, but can I remind you that what looks like an obstacle for you is not an obstacle for God. What looks like an impossible task in front of you today, pff, it's nothing for God. Anytime we're stepping into waters that we've never been and, and by faith we are taking these steps in, 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 in knowing that God is going to bless, what we're doing is we're, we're having this mindset that, that obstacles are opportunities. What obstacles are in your way today? keeping you from experiencing God's blessing in your life. You don't look good enough. You're not talented enough. You didn't, you, you're in financial problems. You know people at work that always have an excuse for, for why they can't do a good job. Don't they just irritate the fire out of you? They can't do a good job because they have marital problems or they have this problem or they have those problems. In my house, when my, my kids are really good at whining too, I don't know if yours are, but when I tell them to do stuff and, and, and you know, go clean your room. Well, I was going to, but, but I had homework. And okay, well, well, why didn't you do your homework? Well, I didn't do homework because I was, you know, I had practice. And, and there's always an excuse. There's always a reason. And so I just tell them, stop whining and start winning, right? That's my philosophy. It's not very compassionate, but it's, 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 it's working. And, and, and I'm hoping to change their mindset. And, and maybe, maybe your mindset today is that all these problems are preventing you 
from following and trusting God. All of these problems are preventing you from taking the land that God has promised to you, the life that he wants to give to you, God's best for you. But all these problems are in your way, right? But they're not problems. They're opportunities. You have marriage issues today. I understand that. We got problems. We, we fight. We argue and this and that. You don't have marital problems. You have a kingdom opportunity to mature in your faith in Christ and stop being an idiot and start loving your wife. To stop being selfish and to start dying to yourself. To start, stop being childish. You're a grown man, you know, and, 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 and moving away from childish things into grown-up, godly men things, right? The, so we got to move. But you've got a lot of excuses. I get it. A lot of problems. We all have problems, but it's about your mindset. For the people of God, what they're seeing here is a huge obstacle. They are in miracle territory. And for some of you, you're like, man, I've got an addiction. It keeps dragging me back. For some of you, it's a secret sin, and you're just praying your wife doesn't see the text messages. You're praying she doesn't check the history on your computer, and so you're constantly refreshing and constantly deleting and constantly covering up, and it's preventing you from experiencing God's best for your life. You're not living a faithful life. They are obstacles on the surface, but for God, they are nothing. They're opportunities for you to grow and to experience something brand new. Many times in our life, when we see that obstacle, when that river is flooded and it doesn't seem like there's a way for us to pass, what do we do? Oh man, there's too many obstacles, too many problems. I'm not going to run to the river. I'm going to run away from the river. That's why we have people that just want to run away from their problems. And let me just self-medicate myself with prescription drugs. Let me self-medicate myself by watching a lot of TV or let me self-medicate by just staying busy so that I don't have to sit down and think about my life. And, and we just run away from the river. And what God is calling you to do when you see this obstacle and this problem in your life, he wants you to run to the river and dip your toes into the water as a sign of faith that you're gonna deal with it and you're gonna trust that in his timing and his way, he's gonna dry the land before you and you're gonna be able to take yourself and those that you're leading with you into a brand new land, to a brand new opportunity of faith and growth. God wants to give that to you. Do you believe that today? He wants you to experience this. You, you can't complain and focus on why you can't do this. Instead, you view it as an opportunity to grow. The Bible says in Psalm 56, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. Man, a mantra, a, 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 a just throw it down, get you pumped up, get you excited. I, when I am afraid, I will trust you. I'm gonna dip my toes in the water. I'm not gonna run away from the water. What water do you need to run to today? What's happening in your life that God's calling you to experience that you've been avoiding or you've been denying? What river do you need to dip your feet into today? You see, it's a sign of faith when we go to the issue, when we go to the obstacle. As a church, together, the obstacle for us is, is, is a massive building, costs a lot of money. There's a lot of sacrifice and leadership and effort that goes into facilitating this dream, this vision. There's a lot of brokenness in our city. I was just talking to somebody in the lobby 
just about how, man, when you are trying to, to, to help people, it is just messy. It is just difficult. It's just hard. And, and uh, it is. It is. But every single one of those issues give us a kingdom opportunity. And God's going to advance it. God's going to change it. God's going to provide everything that we need in order for us to faithfully run to the river and dip our feet in those waters to see him move it, to see him work it, to see him take care of every issue we have today. You know, I, I was thinking this week of just what happens when we don't run to the river? What happens when the obstacle uh, scares us so much that, that we don't do it, that, that, we, that, that we put it off and we procrastinate? And, and I was thinking about, man, what would it have looked like eight years ago if me and, and our team and, and about 50 other people decided not to plant Foothills Church? What if we decided we're not going to run to this river, too difficult, I don't think so, and, and, and we just didn't do it? What would it have looked like if, you know, the 150 people that were attending our church uh, about six years ago decided that we didn't want to purchase this building? Or just four years ago when we decided, hey, we need to renovate the bowling alley and make it an auditorium. What, what if we hadn't have taken those steps over the course of these eight years and and the reality is if we had not, there would be many of you that would not be here today. You just would not. Perhaps you'd still be kind of in this, this cycle of, 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 of you know, not growing and, and not experiencing Christ. For some of you, literally, you wouldn't be saved today. For some of you, your kids wouldn't, wouldn't have made a decision to follow Christ and get baptized. For some of you, your marriages would have ended Ultimately, what would have happened had we, over the course of these years, not band together and unite as a church to take these steps? Ultimately, God would have taken the vision of making disciples and given it to another pastor and another congregation and another group of people and blessed them with the opportunity to do the work that he wants to do in this city. And to me, that would be the tragi tragedy of all tragedies, that I would miss the blessing that God wants to give to my life and wants me to experience. And, and as a leader and as a church, that's the last thing I want to even think about because I don't want to miss anything that God has for us. We've got to run to this river. We've got to change our mindset today. We've got to realize that if we want to experience the wonders of God out of faith, we've got to dip our toes in the water. Let's flip over to chapter 4. Talk about the fourth mindset today for success in these seasons, in this moment of transition. They cross over on dry land. And then in verse four of chapter four, we'll pick up. And then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall teach them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. A memorial forever. The fourth mindset that we as a church have to have and you individually is that the next generation matters. The next generation matters. The next gen matters to our church. The, the people of Israel cross over the land, and the first thing that they do is they want to remember what God had done. 
And so they collect four, uh, 12 large boulders and they, they stack them up in, in the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel as a, memorial, as a memorial and a reminder to future generations. This is what God did. This is how God provided. This is how God blessed. This is how God changed us. And so when the young children ask, what do these stones mean, Dad? We can remind them that God is faithful and God is love and that people need Jesus. And, you know, you look at all the memorials in our culture. If you go to D.C., you see the Lincoln Memorial, Washington Monument, to remind us of the sacrifice of these men and and what their leadership really meant for our country. So we remember the Hebrew word here for memorial and remembering gives us the idea that, that we are to remember with concern, implying that we are lovingly going to reflect upon this. You can go to New York, see the 9-11 memorial of the tragedies of 9-11. Why, did, why is that there? To remember the tragedy. We have Memorial Day. Why? To remember the men and women who gave their life for this freedom in this country. It's important that we remember Thanksgiving is kind of like a memorial because we're reminded every year that we want to thank God for our blessings. Christmas is, is in some ways a memorial. We go to Christmas and we celebrate Christmas as a holiday. Why? To remember the gift of Jesus. Now, the problem in our culture today, one of the many, is that moms and dads aren't teaching their kids to remember what's taken place in our country and in our faith. And so when we see a passage like this, it just reminds me that moms and dads are the primary disciple makers of their kids. You are called to disciple your children, not a youth pastor or a children's pastor. But thankfully, you're part of a church that is committed to partner with you, to equip you, to develop and equip adult leaders to love on your kids, to give you resources to help you grow and do a better job. And together as a church, we partner together to see this take place. So this is a great thing. But ultimately, when your kids look at you and they say, what do these stones mean? It's up to you to fill in the blank. See, I believe that that part of our memorial here are the, the buildings that we have created. Like, why are we building this, mom? Why are we building this, Dad? Why, why is this happening? Why, what do these stones mean around here? And, and you can say, son, daughter, we're building this because God is using our faithfulness to create space for people that don't know Jesus. And may we never forget that what we are doing is creating space that will last for generations to come. I, I get this all the time. People are in our church, you, you forget, you don't remember, you don't know. I get it. We're eight years old. We, in the church world, and the church lifespan, like that, we are, we're, we're, we're a baby church. You know, churches that are celebrating their 200th year, you know? And, and, and so we're eight years. Like You are on the groundbreaking side of a generational blessing that God is going to use to reach thousands of people for generations to come. You're digging the hard soil up. You're planting the seeds. You're watering those seeds. 
Why? Because this little church is starting to grow and starting to make an impact. And why? For people that need Jesus and, and all these kids that are just down the hallway. Because one day, we don't have a lot of gray heads in our church. There's a few in here, more in the first service. <laughs> but one day, let's imagine 15, 20 years from now, there's going to be a lot more white-headed people in our church. This is a good thing. My wife uses an app called TimeHop. Anybody do the TimeHop app or anybody? Not many? You should do it. We love it. Facebook does this sometimes. When you get on, it shows you a picture of, of the past. But what TimeHop does is it basically goes one year, three years, five years, whatever you post it on, on Instagram or social media, it will it'll pop up on your TimeHop and it'll show you, you know, those older posts. And I love it because she'll show me and it's like, oh my gosh, three years ago we were doing this and we were doing that. I don't, my kids are growing like weeds, you know, just like yours, but, but I don't see them grow because it happens so slow. But when I see an old picture, you know, five years ago, I'm like, oh my goodness, they really are growing extremely fast. And it's a reminder of what God is doing. It's a reminder to me that my time with my kids is very limited. It's a reminder to me that my job as a dad is to adore and love and serve my wife and lead and build and love my children. That is my primary job in this world. And one day as we get older, I just imagine like 15, 20 years from now, the time hop that's on your phone or whatever, if we even have phones in, you know, in, in 20 years, it may be like, I don't know, maybe in our hand or something, I don't know. It's the mark of the beast. I don't know. I'm just kidding. It's like, like imagine, and, and, and you're looking back to today. You're looking back to 2017, into 2017, 2018. You see, in 15, 20 years, your kids, aren't, they're not going to be kids anymore. They're going to be adult leaders in this church, leading small groups, discipling kids. Some of them are going to be the pastors and the leaders in this church. They're going to be making a difference in this city because they're going to be teachers and law enforcement and lawyers and leaders and all over this city. And I don't want us to lose sight of this fact because the next gen matters. Joshua 4.24, the last verse in this chapter, Joshua says that God did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. This happened so that we would see that the Lord is powerful. It's what these stones are for. It's what these buildings are for. There's a lot of churches that say that they care about the next generation. But what they don't understand and what they're not willing to do is to embrace this, this, this moment of transition and embrace the messiness of of what it looks like in a church to care about the next gen. Our student ministry meets in here on Wednesday nights. If you want to see messy, come in here on Wednesday night after they leave. I don't know what they do, but it's just constantly messy. It's a little expensive too because you have to do different things and you've got to, you know, have different space and your music looks different. Your you know, the style of your ministry looks different. The way that you dress looks Everything is shaped, you know, because the next gen matters. And some people aren't willing to embrace 
that we've always been willing to embrace that because the next gen matters to us. And the reason why we're willing to embrace all this is because it's not about preferences. It's not about what I want or what, I, what kind of style is mine. What, what I care about is the next generation understanding what these stones mean understanding what the gospel is all about. And my kids, why are we building this, Dad? Because people need Jesus. And one day, you're going to carry this vision. And you're going to carry it, and you're going to hand it off to the next generation and the next generation until Jesus returns. Your moment of faith today will become their memory to carry tomorrow. And I just want to encourage you today, as we think about how we're going to give, as we think about how we're going to serve, as we think about what we are doing here today and in the coming days as a church, the next gen matters. We're going to do everything that we can to impact this city and these campuses and these schools with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? Maybe you need to have a time of prayer today, a prayer of dedication. Recognizing and realizing that the, that the problem in your life that you're experiencing is really an opportunity. You've not been looking at it that way. But from this day forward, you're going to. Maybe God's not first in your life and you've got to dedicate your life first and foremost to him. Maybe the next gen doesn't matter. I should want to caution you there. Instead of hating on millennials, instead of hating on the issues with young people, like you should check out some of our young people and what God's doing in their life. That'll give you hope. That'll teach you, that'll show you that God is in fact still God. He's still changing lives and that he's going to do what he wants to do in this next generation. Father, we dedicate ourselves to you yet again. Father, we're asking that whatever problem we're facing, we would see it through your eyes, and we would see, Father, that your plan has given us an opportunity to dip our toes into the river to faithfully trust that you're going to provide a way through and that you're going to show us every step we need to take. But we've got to be faithful in taking that first step. And I pray, God, that you would lead us. Pray, God, that as a church, you would provide for us. I pray, God, that individually, Lord, we would all seek and understand how you're calling us to serve and to give in this so important moment and season of transition for this church. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.